Welcome to episode 264 of the official GunnaGeek.com show. This week, we talk about Apple cutting back orders, cheap Pixel 3s, and Venom is a success. We'll also talk about what we're eyeing up for our Black Friday deals. Plus, we confirm that SP knows about aliens. This and more in this week's show. I'm Kier. I'm Haley. And I'm Jay from Gallifrey Public Radio. A podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the one you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready, because geekiness begins in three... Two... One. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gunna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gunna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. Hello and welcome to episode 264 of the officialgunnageek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew and of course I've got Chris Farrell with me today. I'm a computer. Stop all the downloading. And I am pleased to say that in place of Stargate Pioneer this week we have guest host Michelle Ely. Hi everyone. Michelle, it's always a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, Stargate Pioneer is away this week and it's always great having you Fill in for him. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Hey, he needed time to catch up on all those Hallmark holiday movies. <laughs> That's fair. Absolutely fair. I hear He's there's marathoning some, them right now. I hear there's some real gems in there this year, too. Some that are, are just off-putting altogether, too. I should mention that. Uh, Michelle Ely, for those of you not familiar with you, uh, why don't you take a moment here to tell everybody where they can usually hear you in podcast form. Sure. I am a co-host on the Starly Tribune where we talk about Arrow and other CWDC shows. And I'm a consultant on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. where we talk about, well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's on a very long hiatus. So we're talking about other MCU properties like The Punisher and Jessica Jones and things like that. Well, we are pleased to have you on the network, and I want to tell everybody that if you've not checked out the network, you should do so at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. There's a lot of amazing geeky content over there and a lot of awesome shows that cover a variety of different geeky television shows and also other just general geeky content. Again, that's GunnaGeekNetwork.com. But let's go ahead and talk geeky stuff on this show as we roll into the news. Here we go. All right, so starting off with the news, I'll go ahead and take the first point that we've got here. It looks like Apple might be having a little bit of sales troubles. That's right. The news came out that Apple has decided to cut back on orders in recent weeks. And that's because apparently the iPhone is not necessarily meeting sales targets. That's right. The iPhone models that were launched in September 
are allegedly not hitting what they anticipated originally. The Wall Street Journal reported on this on Monday, and Apple a few weeks ago reported that there were have been lower than expected sales forecast for the Christmas quarter, which is prompting certain suppliers to issue warnings that pointed to weakness in the iPhone sales. The forecasts have been very problematic for the iPhone XR in particular, and Apple is cutting the production plan for the XR up to a third of the nearly 70 million units that the suppliers had previously been asked to produce. So this means that a lot of iPhones will not be made because originally they were anticipated to have significantly better sales than they are having right now. And as of last week, Apple did inform these suppliers to lower the production plan for the iPhone XR. At least that's what the Wall Street Journal is reporting. Chris Farrell, what's your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, I, for one, am shocked that Stephen comes to the Gunna Geek show with a negative Apple story. This never happens. I have no idea what you're talking about. I love Apple. Apple is the greatest. So here's how out of touch I am with these Apple devices. I know we talked about that at one point in time. I promptly put out of my head what all the different versions of the phone were. So is the XR supposed to be their cutting edge one or is that their budget one? That's the budget one. The XR okay. is the budget one, which is interesting to me because that's the part that I did not anticipate from any of this. I thought for sure that we would have the opposite effect where the budget model would have higher sales and the ones that's so expensive would not be as much. So this isn't really a terrible problem for Apple then if the problem is, oh, our middle ground phone that we kind of put out there just to try and hook people who might have been on the fence isn't going to sell so well because my guess is it means the newer version is selling better than they expected. I, I'm not sure. I mean, we're at this point where if you want the cutting edge stuff, it's all over a grand. So I think that turns a lot of people off. But if you're a cell phone connoisseur, for lack of a better term, or someone who upgrades every year, you probably don't care. So the XR drop-off, probably not a bad thing. I, I don't know. I don't generally tend to look at the mid-range phones, so it never would have targeted me. And most of the people I know who ask me about what phone they should get, I never really point them towards the mid-range. I'm like, you want to get whatever the cutting edge one is because then you're good for two to three years. The mid-range one, I feel like you get one to two if you're lucky. So I don't think it's a terrible problem for Apple to have. I'm sure that people will try and spin it that's Apple screwed up. They overestimated demand on everything. This is the end of the Apple era. And if I just stole your lines, I apologize. But <laughs> I don't think it's as big a deal. I think part of what this is, and we've talked about on this show before, is we're just saturated at this point. People aren't upgrading every year as much. And when they are, they're just getting something that will last them for a long time. And a mid-range phone is not really what a lot of people are going to buy, which is kind of interesting. We'll touch on that later in the show. Well, that's the part that I find really interesting is not so much the, the drop in the sales themselves, but so much that they can't forecast accurately anymore. Because that's, to me, the big takeaway here, that they're having troubles forecasting the sales and and not by a little bit either. So that to me tells me that there is a big shift happening within the world of cell phones. And is it because people are now pushing phones a little longer? Is it because people are going away from Apple? Is it because of some other variable? We don't know. But the fact that they can't forecast this is very interesting to me that Apple because they've been pretty reliable in the past. 
Well, so logically, you would think that the mid-range things would be important. Let's go back a few years when we were talking about some of the Motorola phones are out there, like the Moto X and the variants of the Moto X. They were not the cutting-edge Android devices, no, but they were serviceable. They were had quick OS updates. They were snappy. They were near pure Android. We were at a state up until recently where the mid-range phone wasn't necessarily a bad thing for most consumers. In fact, most of the mid-range phones were perfectly serviceable and could do 90% of what people wanted to do with no issue. But that was before we moved over into this world where the mid-range phones jumped up to about seven or $800 and the top of the tier moved up to a grand to $1,300. And I think at that point, you lose the cost efficiencies or, or the savings rather of buying a mid-range phone because eh, they're still hella expensive, but I'm more inclined to spend a little bit more to get me something that might last me a little bit longer is what I'm thinking. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it way too much. Maybe I'm just trying to apply logic to something where people are just saying, I'm tired of buying cell phones. There's not enough change from year to year for me to be like, I got to buy a new one every year. You know, in the chat, by the way, we do record this live on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. But in the chat, we've got Suncast that brings up an interesting point. And he says they also sell a crap ton of iPhone models. And that's true. There's a lot of different iPhone models now available, and that could possibly have have a part in them not being able to predict things because they do have all of these different SKUs. And it's like, which one is going to land with the consumer taste at this time? So that's a good point. And I think worth considering in regards to this news article. That's a fair point. Let's let's do the arbitrary thing that everyone does when it comes to talking about iPhones. Let's go back to the Steve Jobs era. There weren't a ton of SKUs for iPhones or iPads out there. You had your one iPhone and it came in just three different sizes basically. And then they would sell the previous two generations at a discount. Now you've got iPhone max, iPhone regular, iPhone cutting edge, iPhone, whatever this mid range is, all of varying screen sizes. So maybe part of it is just user fatigue and customer fatigue. They're like, I, I don't care anymore. I need a break. I mean, I'm tech inclined. I think we can all acknowledge that watching the show. And you heard me, Steven, at the top of the segment, I'd be like, which one's the iPhone XR again? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, Michelle Ely, what's your thoughts on this? Is this because you're not buying them? Are you responsible for all of this? Yeah, I think I'm the only iPhone user on the show right now um, between the three of us. I mean, when you get to $1,000, I mean, that's more than their recent iPad. You're starting, you know, at $1,300. That's a low-grade laptop. And we're getting to the point where... People are realizing that there's not enough change. There's not enough innovation to warrant a phone costing a thousand dollars. Um, because it's just not enough. Like the phone I have, I want it, I need it to last for a good two more years. And when I get another one, I'm not spending a thousand dollars. I've already said that I'm not spending a thousand dollars on a phone and that's just going to be it. If I have to switch to a different maker, that I'm going to do that. But I have said, I've made that in stone where it's like, I will not spend a thousand dollars on a phone. They, some people actually have like cell phones and they kind of like how you lease a car or something like you lease a car and then you can sh change it yeah. every year or something. I know a lot of carriers, um, like I use AT&T where they allow you to um, make a payment. Basically you finance your phone. And after 18 months or so, you can actually upgrade before the phone is actually paid off. So basically, they keep you in debt 
basically, <laughs> by going, oh, you know, before you pay off this phone, you can upgrade to the brand new one and just keep paying that $30 a month to us. You know, why not? So that's probably one way that they're getting away with charging $1,000, but I'm not doing that. I've paid off this phone. I need it to last another two more years. And if the only iPhone available is $1,000, I'm switching, I'm switching phones. All right. So what we took away today is that Michelle is single-handedly responsible for iPhone sales. I think that's what we heard right now. Exactly. <laughs> it's all me. Um, I think the Apple sniper drones are coming after me right now. <laughs> I need to go to the bunker after I uh, record this show. <laughs> so the real question is, why has SNASA not invested in populating Apple devices throughout their compound for tracking things. Oh, that's a good One question. One would think that they had. So this might be a question for Deputy Director Suncast in the chat room or Director Stargate Pioneer when he returns. <laughs> well, we'll just have to go ahead and let those conspiracy theories fly because I heard that uh, Stargate Pioneer isn't here right now because he's not at liberty to talk about all this. That's the rumor that I heard. That's, that's He's on Mars. Yes. All right, so moving on to the next news point here. Michelle Ely, what's going on in the world of Venom? I heard that there's amazing, amazing news. Is that right? It's more surprising, at least for me. I haven't seen Venom yet. It's not because I haven't wanted to see it. It's just been timing. But apparently a lot of people are seeing it because it is more successful than every X-Men movie, including Deadpool. So thanks to its second weekend in China, Venom has earned over $780 million at the worldwide box office, with $210 million earned domestically and $207 million earned in China alone. In short order, the film is expected to top 2016's Deadpool, which earned $783.1 million globally, in 2016 and is the highest earning film in Fox's long-running X-Men cinematic franchise. This also puts the Sony superhero film on track to earn over 800 million worldwide and potentially outperforming the studio Spider-Man, which earned 821.7 million in 2002 and is second only to 2007 Spider-Man 3 as the top Marvel movie outside of the MCU. Who knew this weird hearty starty starring movie about the symbiote which has really mixed reviews it's really odd but um lauren who i podcast with also on legends of shield says that it was marketed wrong that it's more like a, a buddy cop movie rom-com funny extravaganza it's not really like this horror uh, superhero sort of thing that a lot of the trailers made it out to be. I heard her mention that and and I have to say that that was really eye-opening to me because I didn't see it because I actually thought it, it the flavor wasn't mine and something that was more fun buddy cop-like, I totally would have been more interested in. So I, I heard her say that and I thought that was really interesting. It looks like hot garbage to me. I've said that since day one. I don't know how you do a Venom movie without Spider-Man when his origin is built around Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm out. And I have my concerns. The fact this is doing so well means that Sony's going to think they know what to do now when it comes to Spider-Man. And when the deal runs out with uh, 
Marvel on the Spider-Man movies. They're going to try and bring it back and screw it all up again. And Tom Holland is delightful as Peter Parker. And I don't want that ruined by crappy Sony movies. So (laughs) congratulations to them, I guess, for making a ton of money. I still think it looks like hot garbage. And as a Spider-Man fan, a fairly large Spider-Man fan, I have no interest in seeing it. All right, Michelle, you, you did see it, though, you said, right? No, I haven't. Again, because I thought it was more of like the horror, like he eats people all the time. And I thought it was going to be like really like bloody and such. And when it came out, I just wasn't in the mood for it. Sometimes I like movies like that at home because I never know if I need to pause it or or something. But if I knew if that it was just basically a funny type of movie, I would have seen it in the theater. So now I feel like I'm missing out on something. Well, then I guess what we should probably do is commit uh, you guys to talk about it again on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. so that you can go ahead and, and make everybody watch it. You should make that commitment right now and force everybody to, to, to do it. Because Stargate Pioneer didn't see it either, did he? No. 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 <laughs> Come on, make it happen, Michelle. Make it happen. Just push for it. Push for it. Well, that's going to be a hard sell. <laughs> SP's just... He's not even like, I don't know if I even want, want to watch it on videos. So, yeah, it's going to be take a lot of convincing. But see, this is like what you do when you're at work and your boss is away, right? You just make all sorts of commitments that your boss has to clean up the mess with. Sure. <laughs> well, it's just shocking to me. When you put this, this news into the doc today, I was shocked at how well this was doing because I was under the impression that it was not doing well at all. And I guess this goes to show what the international market can do for sales because that's where it looks like a big piece of the pie has come from. Is that right? Yes. I mean, 210 million here, 207 million in China. The Chinese audience apparently connected with a lot of people in China and here. I actually was going to do a different news story but this one popped up like a couple hours ago and i'm like okay this this is the winner this is the one i got to talk about just because i know it's gonna bug the heck out of sp let's go ahead and what you had said was uh it connected with them so we'll go ahead and say hashtag it's all connected we're gonna use it in regards to venom there you go soiled that phrase for usp Oh, man. I mean, this is just another example of how powerful the international box office is. And we've touched it on this show on this show a little bit. I know other shows when we've talked about it more, but we're past that point now where these big blockbusters are really targeted towards the North American audience as much. You've got things like the Transformers movies, for instance, that the North American audience kind of turned their back on. It's like, oh, this is hot garbage. And it goes gangbusters in China and things like that. Remember back in Iron Man 3, they filmed exclusive scenes in Iron Man 3 with Chinese actors just to air it in China or just to show it in China, rather, and draw in the box office there. Remember Star Wars? We were like, oh, international box office is really going to help it. Yeah, the Chinese don't care about Star Wars, evidently. (laughs) Stuff like that we've seen. So that's more of the considerations when it comes to some of these movies. So Venom, which had a decent following of people who liked it, but also a fair number that had no interest. The, the international box office made it huge and evidently something resonates. I'm not sure what it is. Again, haven't seen it because I think it's hot garbage, but that's just me. I'm trying to just make sure my opinion is well known that a Venom movie without Spider-Man in it makes no sense. No sense. It's, it's kind of like that world of Warcraft movie. I watched it 
I mean, it wasn't the worst thing that I've seen. I actually watched it because I'm like, why did the Chinese love this movie so much? I, that's why I actually watched it. It was it was on cable or something. And I knew it it bombed here, but it did gangbusters in China. And I'm watching it more like an anthropologic like study. It was more like, you know, the study of a society. Why did they like this? And I have no idea. I don't know why they liked it. I'm not Chinese, but obviously. So I there must have been something about Maybe the way World of Warcraft is perceived in China, maybe just how people, you know, play it. I don't I don't know. It's it was just like, huh, interesting. So in summary, this is your Venom news given to you by three people who have not watched Venom. There you go. <laughs> well, it's an analysis of box office performance and the international audience. And hot and garbage. Just, <laughs> and for some reason, people who think something is hot garbage, whether it's the World of Warcraft movie or Venom, somehow strikes a chord with the Chinese audience. And when that happens, Hollywood loves it. And they try to figure out what happened and then they try to recreate it. And a lot of times that falls in their faces all over the place. All right. Well, if you want to go ahead and tell us exactly why we're all wrong, make sure you email js at gunnygeek.com. Send your hate mail there. Moving on to the next news point here. Chris Farrell, you're excited because it's more Pixel 3 news, isn't it? So we do have some interesting Pixel 3 news. So we got to step back in time a little bit to set this up. Remember the time before the Pixel 3 and the Pixel 3 XL leaked like Four months before they released when there was a lot of speculation we were going hmm what's going to happen well back in that time probably about three months prior to launch there was rumors of a third pixel model phone that was going to be coming out supposedly it was codenamed sargo and what was this well it was the midline specs version of the pixel so kind of works out nicely we talk about how the midline apple phone didn't do well and now we're going to talk about the midline pixel phone that never really happened. How, how are we finding out about this phone? Well, a Russian gadget blog seems to have gotten their hands on a mid-range Pixel 3 that a lot of people were wanting to see at the most recent Pixel event. The blog is called Rosetked, and they're the ones that are also had the leaks of the Pixel 3 when it first came out. So they've kind of got a track history of finding these things. So what is new in this Pixel 3 light or what is different? Well, on the outside, it looks similar to your standard Pixel 3. Instead, but instead of a glass back, it features a cheap plastic rear panel, an FHD plus LCD panel in place of the AMOLED screen you have on the Pixel 3s. And on the inside, it has a mid-range Snapdragon 670 chip instead of the Snapdragon 845 featured on the standard Pixel 3. It shares the 4 gigs of RAM that those devices have and also has 32 gigs of storage. Here's where it gets interesting, though. What does the Pixel 3 Lite have that the other Pixel 3s don't have? It has a friggin' headphone jack. That's right. <gasps> what? The mid-range Pixel 3 from what Rosetked has seen from their leaked version they've got has a headphone jack. Yes. It lives on. It lives on. What else was going on in here? Well, the rest of it's kind of unremarkable, but just so you know, it's got a 2900, excuse me, 2,900 milliamp hour battery, supports Qualcomm Quick Charge 4 Plus, and it does seem to support and have the same cameras that you find in the current Pixel 3s. So that's an 8 megapixel on the front and a 12 megapixel camera on the rear. 
Now, supposedly, Rosetkid says this device, which was dubbed the Pixel 3 Lite, was going to cost somewhere between $400 to $500, and there is still a chance it could officially be announced before the end of the year or sometime in early 2019. It may actually happen still. So we just talked about the mid-range phone that Apple put out, and I, as we were discussing that, kind of came to realize, well, maybe this is why they cut it out of their lineup. Does it really make sense for Google to put out a mid-range Pixel at this point in time? Or do you guys think the Android market's differentiated enough from the Apple market where people are willing to hit the mid-range level? Okay, so here's the thing that I originally had stand out when I was reading about this was the fact that they have backed up the processor, right? When you look at the iPhone XR, which obviously isn't doing well, they stuffed the same process it, processor in it that is on the current gen of iPhone. So it's interesting to me to see them dial things back. Now, here's the, the flip side of that is it looks like the price point is supposed to be quite a bit less than the full Pixel, which there's not a drastic difference between the XR and the XS. Yes, there is, but but or there is a difference, but it's not as much, I think, as the regular Pixel 3 versus this alleged amount, possibly for the light. So it's interesting to see the way they've done that trade off there. But I will say this. I don't think that releasing it if they are going to later in the year is the right move, because now you're looking at our old hardware at a basically a year old from the Pixel 3 launch already. Well, you know, six months or so. So I think the timing's poor. If they were to release this around the time that they did the regular Pixel or even a couple months after, you know, even if they announced it and then said two months later, we'll have the light. I think that that would make a little bit more sense. But if this is looking like it's going to be six to 12 months later, I think it's a little late. It's an interesting move. It takes me back to like we talked about in the iPhone section of this, the mid range like Moto X phones and things like that were. It wasn't cutting edge specs, but had basically pure Android. That's the attraction to someone that would want a Pixel phone. It's pure Android with quick software updates. And the fact of the matter is making sure it has the exact same camera as what you have in the top of the line Pixels. That is a smart move because there's a lot of people now that the Pixel is their primary camera. Because after all, the camera you have on you all the time is going to be your best camera. Most people aren't walking around with their DSLR on their neck. They're walking around with their phone in their pocket. And if you've got a camera that's good, even on a mid-range phone, that's a winner. That being said, I just, I think it's too late. And I think this is a rumor that we're just going to see get shut down. Basically, it's going to be Google did the prototypes, things like that. That's great. But after that, they decided we don't need to do this. It's too late because you can buy a used Pixel 3 or Pixel 3 XL for basically that price right now. And with Black Friday sales, you can buy a new one for that price right now. Well, and the other thing to remember is that from a back-end perspective, there has been a couple different developers involved with the Pixel because of the way that um, the certain acquisitions happen with Google. So this could be something that came from one team and maybe it's just, you know, they've rolled it out because they're going with the other team because there was, I think, a couple of teams involved with the Pixel just because of how it all developed with, again, the Google acquisition. So it'll be interesting to see if this does ever come to light. Uh, the fact that it has a headphone jack to me tells me that I think that it won't um, because <laughs> Google's gone in on the Pixel headphone jack and to, to, to not have it and to bring it back seems to me like maybe this is just an old kicking around prototype. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with it's not going to happen. I have to admit, I missed the headphone jack. One one night I was like getting all curled up and 
I wanted to listen to some music. I'm using my iPhone. And then I had my headphones, my no, my noise canceling headphones, which are very good and very expensive. And I go to play and I'm just like, ah, crap. Yeah. So I had to like <laughs> get up and find the thing. And now I I actually have the the dongle adapter mm-hmm. or whatever in the case with my very expensive noise canceling headphones because I love those and they work. Yeah. Uh, I've been, a pro- I've had a problem with like that before too. So I agree. Very, very frustrating. Um, I guess I live with it cause that's the choice that I have. So there you go. Moving on to the extra, extra news points here. Uh, a couple of different things that we want to go over. First up, let's talk briefly about the fact that there was a fallout crash. I know Chris Farrell's beloved Fallout 94 and a half or whatever it's called. What is it called? Fall- 76. Fall- 76. Fallout, right, 76. That's right, like the gas stations. Uh, Fallout 76 did have a crash of the servers. There was apparently a triple attack by a group of people. They launched three nuke attacks within the game at the same time, and it caused the servers to crash That's right. Uh, As they detonated, apparently, all of a sudden, they didn't get to see the results because the servers went down. Chris Farrell, why did you break it? It wasn't me, but this is interesting. For those that aren't aware, one of the game mechanics in Fallout 76 is you can hunt for nuclear launch codes, and then you can launch nukes into the map. Not necessarily to kill everyone, but because that unlocks new resources and new enemies that'll better help you out. So people have launched single nukes before, these folks decided they were going to launch three at the same time, basically, and these servers could not handle it, which is kind of interesting. When they all logged back in, there was a pretty uh, ridiculous bad guy that had spawned in place of where all that was and the fallout was insane. But I don't think they really anticipated someone launching three nukes at the same time in this game. Oops. <laughs> Again, I say that you broke it. Uh, I'll take it. They should have anticipated that. I mean... Come on, it's it's gamers. You 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 get all your friends and you try to coordinate something really cool <laughs> and it's like, "Hey, it's six of us. Let's let's launch all these nukes at the same time in your over Discord or your phone or whatever." And they're like, "Now." I mean, come on. How can they not have seen this coming? So that that's a good point, but in game it's incredibly hard to find nuclear launch codes for one silo, let alone three silos. So these are folks that set out with the, per- the the main goal rather of saying we're going to find a way to do this which is cool and all that but the game mechanics really not set up for you to easily be able to do this this is more of people going let's see if we can do this because <laughs> there was really no chance during the open beta because the open beta was like locked down to three to six hour windows with not a lot of time to do things uh, again I blame Chris Farrell that's where I'm going to leave fine. it I'll take it yeah Next in the extra extra here, this one comes courtesy of Stargate Pioneer. He left this one on a space.com article. Mike Wall wrote on November 16th that it's been reported that NASA officially decommissioned the Kepler Space Telescope on November 15th, 2008 by beaming, quote, good night and quote, commands to the Space Observatory. NASA officials wrote in a statement, quote, because the spacecraft is slowly spinning, 
the Kepler team had to carefully time the commands so that instructions would reach the spacecraft during periods of viable communication, end quote. The $700 million Kepler has discovered 2,682 exoplanets since it launched in 2009, which represents about 70% of all known alien worlds to date. So the moral of this story is Stargate Pioneer has admitted that SNASA knows about aliens. That's the takeaway from this news article here. Farewell, Kepler. We are happy that you made the aliens come to us. Yep, pour one out. Oh, <laughs> uh, it is sad to see that, especially given how much we've talked about Kepler on this show. But you know what? All good things must come to an end. Isn't that right? Nice Star Trek poll. <laughs> All right. There's another Fallout News article that we've got here, right, Chris? Right. This one's really short, but they did put their first patch out for Fallout 76 as we record this day on November 19th. On the Xbox and PlayStation 4, the first patch comes in at 47 gigabytes. I did not stutter. I did not misspeak. 47 gigabytes. And now what happens here is if you look at your system before you install this patch, you'll see Fallout 76 takes up about 54 gigs of space. Once this patch is in, it takes up about 53 gigs of space. So it seems like they have basically just sent out the entire game after making changes to it. Shouldn't surprise you if you got the disc version of Fallout 76, there was only 300 megs of stuff on the disc and then you download the rest from their servers. But in today's world where a lot of people are on metered internet connections or have limited download speeds, this is kind of ridiculous. Remember with PCs and stuff, and in fact the PC version of Fallout 76, it's a much smaller patch. It's only like 15 gigs. What is up with the way you do patching on consoles that instead of being able to do like an incremental release of things, you have to basically reissue the whole game for someone to download. I mean, this isn't a problem for me, but in my house we have two Xboxes that are downloading this patch. So we installed the game that was five, that was 50 gigs for both my system and my fiance's. This patch comes out today. That's another 50 gigs each system. So I'm down 200 gigs on my one terabyte of download that I get from Comcast, luckily not enforced on the meter, but it seems kind of inefficient. And I really feel bad for some people who have slow connections and metered connections. This just doesn't seem right or efficient. It seems really odd and like there was something critical that couldn't actually be patched because a, traditionally a patch will go and you download it and then the code's in there to, to make the fixes in the appropriate spots. It seems to me like there's something critical that must have gone wrong where that process couldn't happen. Maybe it was code, like patching code that was so advanced that the consoles don't have the technology to do it or it would be, you know, far slower or it would, you know, bypass security on it or something. But there's got to be a reason that they're basically reissuing the game if that's the case. And yeah, the first place that my mind goes is, of course, the people who do have the slow connections. Yes, there's the metered thing. But imagine the people who are sitting there with slower connections, how long this takes. Because when you think about upload speeds, really geeky, right? Like uh, an average person who just has a reasonable connection, they might have a 50 megabit per second down connection and maybe like a 10 up. And so that means that consoles are really only talking on a 10 megabit per second speed because the, they're limited to the upload. 
So someone theoretically could possibly have a 15 megabit connection down and get away just fine gaming. And thus, they're sitting there trying to download this uh, 15 megabits per second. That would take forever. This is, yeah, this is interesting to see a big patch like this. And as someone who lives in an area where she only has one internet speed available, which is extremely slow, it just hurts people like us. I mean, it's really odd. You would think you would want to try to reach as many customers as possible. But if you keep basically assuming that everyone has these great internet connections and everyone's hooked up to the internet, that you can keep doing that, it's going to hurt certain games, I think. Yeah. Can, Michelle's like, I want to play. Okay, I'll join you guys in three days. <laughs> one, of, one of my coworkers, I was sitting across the table from him and I was taking a couple minutes just to check the news in my Google feed when I saw this. And I went, uh-oh. Hey, uh, did you know there's a patch out for Fallout 76? He went, oh, I'll have to download that when I get home before I play. I said, yeah, the patch is like 47 gigabytes. He goes, we'll have to download it so I can play it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Absolutely nuts. Uh, well, moving on to our last extra extra thing here that we've got. Well, it involves something good and something that is bad. Very bad. In the fact, devil, in fact. The devil, in fact, is true. In fact, this involves the good thing being an Amazon Echo and the Ooh. bad thing being Skype. <laughs> it has been uh, made official that this week you'll be able to make Skype calls on your Amazon voice services devices. The, pretty much the entire line of Echo devices are going to have the ability to make voice calls via Skype. The Echo Show and its tablet-style screen are also going to be able to do video calls on Skype. In addition to being able to call people through the Skype protocols, you know, like Skype to Skype, you're also going to be able to use the mobile calling and landline calling through Skype out if you have that set up. So this feature will allow you to call an existing contact or a new number on Skype. You're going to get 100 minutes of free calls per month for regular calls, and that's over the course of two months when you do link your Skype account with your Amazon Voice Services account. In order to use this, you'll head into the Alexa app. Oh, I said it. I tried so hard no, not to. you're fired. I know. On, to, on your device, go to Settings, Communication, then Skype, and then from there, you'll have the login prompt for your Microsoft credentials to get you logged into Skype. And once, of course, that is all linked, like all other skills, you'll be able to go ahead and activate this. So it's interesting to see because this does come from the previous news that there was an agreement between Amazon and Microsoft. We started to see the A assistant come to Windows 10. And so now we're seeing a little bit of the reverse where Microsoft products are coming to the Echoes. I'm glad to see this looks like this is pretty much involving all Echoes because if they limited it to like the new latest and the greatest, I think that would be a real problem for people like ourselves who have the older generations. Uh, I think this does actually have potential because like for me, I have more Skype contacts than I do have Amazon contacts. So right now I could do an echo to echo call. That's fine, but that's only good if I have a contact that has not, not only has an echo, but has signed in with the calling services and linked it to their Amazon A-Word account. Huh. 
I wonder who might have experienced that at midnight one time. No idea. Definitely wasn't me calling Chris Farrell. It was. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have more Skype contact. So I definitely could see myself using this if it comes to Canada. Because again, with all new Alexa, uh, I said it again, features, I am always skeptical whether or not they're going to come to Canada because there is a very, very, very big track record of them not executing in Canada. So I don't know about you. I don't think I would ever ever enabled this skill on my Amazon voice services device because Skype is on my PC. It's on my laptop and it's on my tablet. That's where it needs to be. And I can control when people call me or how I ignore things. I've got Amazon echoes throughout my house, including in my bedroom. I don't want people on Skype, especially when you get random spammy calls in there ringing through to my echoes in my house where I can't control it. It's just as bad as like, telemarketers. I don't want them calling on my cell phone, so I don't want my Skype going out of control. Maybe that's because I use Skype a little differently because that's my tool for podcasting and I've got various different contacts on there. I just don't want an erroneous dial at like 3 a.m. or something like that. I want to keep these things separate and distinct because if I'm going to use Skype, I'm going to use it on one of those devices or for podcasting purposes here. I know I joked about the fact I was like, I'm going to use my Echo Show to do a podcast one time, but don't think I want to. I'm kind of scared of connecting them. Right. But you're also not the consumer that they want. Think about how many people who are, you know, older couples or whatever that don't have FaceTime and they still use Skype because that's what they learned early on. That's the market that they're going after here is the people who still use Skype as a day to day platform to communicate. I think that that's faded with things like FaceTime and Google Hangouts, but I think there probably still is a market. Again, I think that I probably would have more likelihood of using the Skype functionality than the actual echo to echo call because I only know a couple people who have echoes that I'd feel comfortable calling them on. So yeah, it's interesting to me and I wanted to mention it, but I do think that the, uh, I think the train has passed a little bit on this one here. But let's go ahead and move on to our next segment, which we're going to talk about Black Friday deals. If you've listened to the show for a while or watched the show, you might be familiar with the fact that we like to occasionally do a roundtable. Sometimes it's about television. Sometimes it's about Amazon Prime deals. Sometimes it's about other stuff. Today, we want to talk a little bit about some of the things that are on our radar from the upcoming Black Friday deals. That's right. For those of you not familiar with it, this week is fake Thanksgiving in America. Fake Thanksgiving comes on Thursdays, which means that on Friday, and that's right, I said Thursdays. It happens every week. Uh, Friday is the official kickoff to fake Christmas because real Christmas started two weeks ago. And so the fake Christmas begins now on Friday and thus there is the Black Friday sales. And I have to admit that uh, Black Friday really wasn't a thing in Canada up until a few years ago and it sure has taken off. And I will say this, joking aside, I am very appreciative for my American neighbors for this because the big sale deals before this was the day after Christmas, a very unusual time to have the big sales. In Canada, the big thing was, quote, Boxing Day. It still happens the day after, but Black Friday is rivaling it, if not having better deals now. And I'm good with that coming up to the, you know, season that you're giving things. So I, I am very appreciative for fake Christmas. 
So let's talk about some of the things that are on our radar with Black Friday deals. And we're going to talk about things that we might think about buying, some things that are very intriguing to us and probably aren't going to buy, but we still want it to note. Let's go ahead and kick it off with Chris Farrell. Chris Farrell, I wanted to talk briefly about your first item that you have on your wish list, which is what? The Tick Watch. So this is something I've been thinking about for a while. I have a Huawei Watch Gen 1 that I have right now. We've talked about on this show my various experiments with Android Wear, and I quite enjoy it. So I've been looking to upgrade for a while, and I've been kind of tossing around some ideas of what I might want to do for upgrades. And the market's not really great for Android Wear slash Wear OS right now, but there are some interesting ones out there. There's two watches I'm kind of on the fence about, and they're both going to be on sale on Black Friday. So really, I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens and figure out where to go. The first is by Mobvoi, who I talked about, God, was that just last week, with the TickPods. They also make smartwatches, which I've talked about before. The TickWatch Pro, they're knocking $75 off of for Black Friday, so it'll be $175 instead of $250. What's interesting about this one is, A, interesting to me at least, it's got NFC in it, so you can use Google Pay via your watch. So if you're doing one of those checkouts or you've got a tap for Google Pay instead of having to pull out your phone and unlock it, you could just tap your watch to it and pay that way, which I think is kind of cool. I'd use it once, smile about it, and then never use it again, I'm sure. But the thing that really intrigues me about the Tick Watch Pro is it has two displays on it. It has the regular AMOLED display for doing the smartwatch features, but also has a regular, and I can't remember the type of screen it is, but think like your typical LCD, not LCD, your liquid crystal watches and things you've seen before, where it's just like the calculator design where your four is made up of little segments and things like that this has a screen like that also so when the phone's in low power mode it goes to that generic lcd screen for any smart features it then flips over and starts using the smart screen so with this it's going to save you battery life because it defaults that low power lcd screen and it also can supposedly last 28 days if you just put it on that one single LCD screen, the caveat being you lose a lot of the smartwatch capabilities. I think it will still do some fitness tracking. So I'm kind of thinking about that. It's got the Snapdragon 2100 chip in it. Why I'm not 100% sure I'm going to pull the trigger on that is Fossil just put out their new sport smartwatch, which has the Snapdragon 3100 processor in it, which is a different low power processor for Android Wear, which is supposed to yield better battery life. And right now it is also 25% off on Fossil's website for their Black Friday deal. So it's $179. So I don't know what I want to do. I'm kind of leaning towards the TickWatch Pro. I like these devices, but I think I'm going to get a smartwatch of some kind over Black Friday. This is interesting to me. And I like the fact that there's a couple of deals on smartwatches because Smartwatches have been such an up and down thing, right? Like they, they've been popular, they're not popular. And it's nice to see there being Black Friday sales because I still like them. I miss mine incredibly. It's just not been in the cards yet to replace. Uh, I probably should have, you know, not bought a couple of light bulbs and bought, <laughs> <laughs> bought a smartwatch instead. But uh, I'm excited for this and I, I can't wait to see which one you do buy because I know you'll end up buying one and report probably. here on the official geek.com show. So if you are thinking of one yourself, I would point you towards uh, reddit.com slash r slash wear OS. And there is a thread that has been bookmarked at the top there that is all of the Black Friday deals for Wear OS devices. So you can go through there and see 
what you might want to buy. There's Huawei Watch Gen 2s in there, Fossil Watches, all sorts of stuff. So if it's something you're thinking about and Black Friday is when you want to pull the trigger, that's when you can do it. Go take a look at that sticky post up there. All right. And you also had something else that you might be possibly buying. And I think this will not be a surprise for anybody who has been watching this show for the entire year. We've seen the evolution of Chris Farrell's home entertainment system. He's done Dolby Atmos. He's done a whole bunch of work to his entertainment system this year. He think last year you got the Xbox One X, right? You got all this stuff to upgrade your entertainment system. What else is on your likely going to buy list, Chris Farrell? So just a generic thing. Lots of people buy movies over the Black Friday sales. There's tons of stuff on sale. That also includes the 4K Blu-ray discs. There are a bunch of movies that I don't own or that I'd like to update to 4K that are going to be on sale for like 8 to 15 bucks varying. So depending on what the sales are on Amazon, I may pick up a few new 4K Blu-rays. All right. Well, moving from one smaller item to a bigger item, Michelle Ely. You've got on your list uh, something that if you added it up every single year, it sure would be expensive and cost you a lot over the course of the life of the console, right? Yeah, the PlayStation um, Plus 12-month membership is going to be on sale for uh, $39.99 with $40. It's $20 off. Uh, I might do it. I actually renewed my membership when it was on sale before. And it doesn't always go on sale. It's not like a yearly thing. But $40, considering they've upped it to $60 a year, I'm tempted to actually maybe renew now. Yeah, I think it makes sense because that's what I was sort of going with with my segue there was if you think about it's $60 American a year now. And what do we think? The PlayStation probably say what six year lifespan, seven year of the PlayStation 4, we figure. So that adds up. That's a lot of money. So where you can save on the membership renewal, I think is definitely worthwhile doing. I think that this is a smart move for anybody who might be thinking about renewing. Get in while it's cheap because again, $69 versus 39. It's quite the difference. And you can take that $20 and buy yourself something nice. Buy yourself something nice. Well, and you can stack them also. It's like if you bought the digital ones through Amazon, you could say buy three of them if you wanted you redeem all three now and it would put three years extra life on whatever you have remaining. And don't forget one of the nice perks on this for pretty much all the gaming systems is you get free games. Also, you get three free games a month, I think, across Xbox, PlayStation and Nintendo gives you something, too. So they kind of offset that cost a little bit by giving you free stuff to play. Yeah. What else do you have on your possibly might buy list, Michelle Ely? Well, there's a PlayStation game called Horizon Zero Dawn that I was tempted to buy, but now it's $9.99, which is $10 off. Uh, you know, my stack of shame is deep. So, yeah, waiting a year or so to <laughs> buy a game when everybody's played it and stuff. Like, don't be, I'm not embarrassed to do that. Oh, don't be. And uh, again, $9.99. I wonder what it was when it first came out. 60 without the dlc this and this has all the dlc doesn't it michelle yeah it's everything yeah. so it's basically what a year old a year and a half old by now so if, hey pick it up for 10 bucks get everything i heard it's really cool you kill robot dinosaurs that's awesome yeah that's kind of awesome there's a big item on your possible list what is it 
Well, unlike Chris, I don't need 4K everything, um, but I'm looking possibly to get another smart TV to replace um, an older television that I have. I have one smart TV and I kind of have, I admit, I like it just pushing that one button, having all the apps come up and just go, you know, don't have to switch to a Roku or anything like that. It's kind of nice. Yeah. But I don't need the fancy. I'm not Chris. <laughs> I got to say that if you're in the market for a TV, uh, I, I don't encourage the run your neighbor over in order to get a TV deal. I think that that's a little bit obsessive. But the ones that ha ha hang around for a couple of days afterwards, they're still pretty good. And they're still miles better than the stuff that you find generally throughout the rest of the year. So there's definitely, at least up here, some really good opportunities on TV. It's, it's a good time to buy for sure. Uh, and what's this iPad that I see on here, Michelle? Well, the iPad that I have is like one of the first ones. It's either the first or second one. So it's like years old. So it's basically a brick now. Um, and my, my laptop that I have is very heavy and it gets very hot very quickly. So I'm not sure if I just want to do an iPad because um, now they have the Apple pen with the handwriting and mm -hmm. you can hook up, you know, a keyboard to it. Or if I just want to get a, um, I don't need a powerful laptop. I'm not, you know, I already have my computer. It's something that I would just want to like write on or do some, do some other things. Does, it doesn't have to be, you know, powerful gaming system. So I'm debating. Well, I think that you should, and then you can go ahead and uh, tell us all about the MacBook that you bought, because I know <laughs> you'll buy a MacBook. No, that is no. What are those, like like $1,900, $2,000 or something? Nope. Just ask uh, your leader over on the Starling Tribune for a uh, advance on your paycheck. Here you make big money over there. Let's see. An advance on zero dollars is. <laughs> wait a minute. I know math is hard. Math, math is hard. Zero dollars. Oh, okay. My, my bad. I'll speak for SP and say you can have that advance right now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm sure it's going to make a huge difference. All right. And you also have on your list something that says a ring light. What is the ring light? Uh. Well, there's a. Uh, there's different versions of them, uh, but it's basically a, it's a ring and it's to help with lighting, whether it's on your camera or a webcam to help improve your lighting for YouTube um, videos and stuff. Um, I've been trying to mess with what I have. Um, it's just kind of I'm just looking to improve each year. I try to improve something uh, so for a while, it's been like audio stuff. And now I, I've kind of upgraded the audio stuff to where it's good. So now I think I can move on to, like, I have a good camera, but I think next is the lighting. And then I think after that, I'll be set up better. Yeah, I'll say that the the ring lights, I've known a few people to use them. They do work really well. Uh, they're a little more harsh than, you know, if you had the two sets, but they're so much more compact. And they look really good. Uh, I've, again, I know a few people who have used this. Uh, Emily Prokop over in the story behind. She uses it and it works really, really well. So go check out some of her videos if you want to see what they can look like. 
And uh, I, yes, your audio does sound very, very good. So I think you've done a good job of upgrading. Over on my list here, uh, one of the purchases that I have is super duper boring. That's right. I'm talking about web hosting. I know. Oh, I know. Chris Farrell's already asleep. Uh, a few years ago, I bought a dirt cheap package to stuff my archived projects on the ones that get like no traffic at all, but I want to keep up on the internet. And that black. Don't talk about our show that way. <laughs> so I bought a package a few years ago, which has now expired because it was like a three year package. So now it's time to take advantage of another Black Friday deal. So that's probably going to be one of them, assuming that they are cheap. Usually web hosting goes ridiculously cheap at Black Friday. So pretty much a shoe in whether or not I get one in Canada. I like to try to keep my stuff on Canadian soil at this current time. Um, we'll weigh the, weigh the price and decide then when I see what's available. One of the other things that I'm probably going to get, assuming that the forecast is true, is a generic dash cam. So this is one thing that we don't really talk about often on here. I actually have experience with a couple of dash cams. And one of them was one that I purchased and installed in the newer vehicle. It's one of the ones that go on the window. So you take the suction cup, you put it on there. And it's actually a decent suction cup. It's been on there since around July. And I bought a different one that is meant to go over your mirror and has a reverse camera. The reason why I couldn't do that one for one of the vehicles is because the newer vehicle has OnStar. So if you were to put the mirror over top of the other mirror, what would happen is it would push that OnStar button and I'm sure I'd be calling OnStar all the time, which would not be fun. So I can't use that. But the one that I did buy originally that had the mirror function on it was nice because it has the backup camera. So within the mirror, there's a little display when you start to back up you would see behind you. And that's what I want because I want this for my older vehicle, which does not have a backup camera. Unfortunately, I got this during Prime Day this year. Good price, but it was DOA. And then by the time that uh -huh. I did buy it, there was no more to be found. So I couldn't get it replaced without paying full price. So that just wasn't going to happen. So I sent it back. So I've been waiting for one for a while. I have to say the one that I do have that is working has been really reassuring knowing that I have the dash cam going. In fact, my wife just the other day was driving behind an accident that happened and they didn't need it, but it was nice to know that that was caught on video should they have needed. So definitely something that I'd like to get that installed because unfortunately we live in a world where dash, dash cams are becoming more and more important in vehicles. So I'm hoping that I do see another deal on that. Nothing in particular, as far as brand goes, there's a lot of decent functioning third-party ones that are all rebranded, so I'll take any of those there that work this time. And one of the other things that I'm considering getting is actually a color laser printer. So if you think this is a bad idea, talk me out of this, but I got kids now. I haven't had a reason for a color printer for a long time, but there's been many events in the last year since my son has gotten older and is wanting to do stuff like that where I've wanted to have a color printer, but I won't do inkjet. I don't want to do an inkjet for obvious reasons. There are money pits. So I'm thinking about getting a color laser printer, looking at sort of the historical information from what I'm looking in some flyers. There's some really decent 
deals coming up. The caveat is that I have a gift card to a certain retailer, so I'm only going to use that gift card on it. So if the deal doesn't pan out at this retailer, they'll have to wait for the future. But that's sort of a outside of the norm for Stephen John Drew possible buys for this year. Now, one thing that I want to mention as we move into our interested list, but probably aren't going to buy is that I got to say the Xbox bundles are unbelievable this year. It is unbelievable how much better they are than Prime Days because I have been looking for an Xbox for a while, but unfortunately, it's just not in the cards this time of year. The deals are better than they were last year. We're looking at sort of the norm being, I know, Michelle, you actually had this on your list as well. In Canada, 219, no, sorry, 229 for a one terabyte Minecraft bundle, which actually works out when you do the US exchange to $173 American. And I know that in the States, I think that that bundle is going for $199. So definitely far better than we were seeing around Prime Day. And also we're looking at one terabyte this year versus last year, where a lot of these inexpensive bundles were 500 gigs. So I think that if you're thinking about getting one, now is probably the best time. You're probably at the right time in the cycle to get in before it really just becomes sort of a has been. So if you're thinking about it now might be a really good time and tell Chris Farrell that you are buying it because of him and all of the ways that he has said how awesome Fallout is and how much time he spends on the Xbox. Don't spend that much time on the Xbox, though. I wish I did. Oh, wait, you're a PlayStation guy now that there's a Spider-Man game. I forgot about that. No, I'm a Switch guy. <laughs> what did you have on your interested list there, but probably aren't going to buy Chris Farrell? Okay, so some of these go without saying. Echo Show Gen 2, I would love to get one. I don't really need it. The price is not going to be low enough for me to pull the trigger on. I was tempted by some of the Echo Show Gen 1s when they were down to 100 bucks to buy a second one. I don't need it. It's just something that tempts me. Same thing with the Gen 2 Echo Dot don't really need it. I wouldn't mind replacing the one in my dining room with one of the newer ones because I'll have a better speaker in it, but I don't need to have it. Some other stuff that I kind of want, but don't really want to pull the trigger on right now because I'm saving money. Either the Nest doorbell or a Ring doorbell because that would put a camera on the front side of my house right where the stairwell is so I could better keep an eye on things. But again, those prices aren't really where I want them to be. Uh, Michelle already mentioned this one, Horizon Zero Dawn, the complete edition. I'm kind of considering it, but my backlog is huge right now, and I know I won't have time to get to it for quite a while yet, so I'll probably put it off until next year. And then finally, this is one, had I known about this, I probably would not have bought my PS4 Pro Spider-Man bundle, but there is a PS4 plus a Spider-Man game bundle that is out now for $200. You get a one terabyte PlayStation 4 and the game that's a wicked good deal. And in fact, it was available on Amazon this morning when I was looking already. Had I not already bought my PlayStation 4, or had I held off, I totally would have pulled the trigger on this $200 PS4 plus Spider-Man combo. It's, it's an awesome deal if you've been on the fence thinking about getting a PlayStation. See, I told you that Spider-Man won Chris Farrell over. Here he was <laughs> all this time saying how terrible Sony's controllers were, how much better the Microsoft controllers were. They he are. said it. He said they that. Are. That, you know, the Microsoft ones are far superior to everything that ever was Sony. And now he's just backpedaled. If I could make my Xbox Elite controller work on my PlayStation, I would use it all the time. All the time. It feels so much better than a traditional PlayStation controller. 
I actually agree with you on that entirely. And I was a PlayStation user long before I was a Microsoft <gasps> user. Did hell freeze over, Steven? <laughs> Is it cold down there? All right. Well, we're talking about gaming. Uh, I know you briefly mentioned Switch, but Michelle, you saw something that you'd like to have, but probably not going to happen was the Switch, right? Yeah, Chris keeps talking about how wonderful the Switch is. And it's like, I don't know how I probably won't pull the trigger. That and the same with like the Xbox One. Everyone knows I have a PlayStation 4. I haven't pulled the trigger on the Xbox One or the Switch, but they're on the list. And it's so tempting. Yeah. Um, I'll admit that my son really wants a Switch. And it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, especially because I have a younger son that will probably break it in about 30 seconds. That's I, what uh, warranties are for. <laughs> I'm very tempted to, to take advantage of one of these switch things for him. Nothing to do with me. You know, I'm looking out for my kid. I would, I would have no, no part in it at all, especially after eight o'clock one season bed. Uh, but <laughs> you know, it's very tempting. So Michelle, I'm right with you with the want of this. Uh, one last thing that I want to mention right now is that in general, the, if you are looking for smart stuff, right now is a really good opportunity. A few weeks ago, I spoke about some of the ways that my smart system has evolved and how if I were to do things over, I would probably roll the dice and buy some generic smart products because they're quite a bit cheaper than something branded like Wink or Philips Hue. And even if they do only last you a few years and then the company goes under, you've probably saved a ton of money and the next thing will be out right now is a really good time for black friday to keep your eye out because there are a lot of repackaged generic third-party stuff and a lot of them use the same login credentials i found so if you're looking for stuff keep your eyes out because there is a lot available right now is a really good time if you're thinking about getting a smart switch because again sometimes they're as cheap as like 10 bucks and so if that lasts you a few years you probably got $10 worth. Yes, sometimes they're a little higher, but I've seen them around $10. So definitely a good time. So hopefully this episode today has helped you decide what you want to spend your money on, even though you know that you shouldn't. Or maybe it's given you some ideas for your Christmas wish list, because I heard that Chris Farrell is Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Michelle Ely, before we close up, I wanted to say thank you again for coming on here. I greatly appreciate you coming on here today. Well, I always like coming on. So thank you for having me. This is always a good time. And again, if you want to find Michelle Ely, you can on the Starling Tribune or Legends of Shield, both of which are available at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Chris Farrell, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? Oh boy, there's all sorts of stuff I want to, but what I will plug is say, hey, the Gunna Geek Network, there is a ton of live content that broadcasts on there. So if you want to watch some more geeky podcasts as they live record, head on over to geeks.live. Hint, you're probably there right now if you're watching this show live. Scroll down <laughs> to the bottom of the page and you'll see a calendar of events of when you can catch the other live shows on the network. Strongly encourage you to check it out and to join them in their chat room. Speaking of chat rooms... We have a Discord server that is sort of like a chat room. If you want to check that out, it's gunnageek.com slash Discord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D. And there's been a lot of people coming over there. We've had a lot of different types of chats since we launched that. I can't believe how quickly it's growing. So please head on over, have some geeky talk, 
and there's a little corner for every show on the network. So make sure if you listen to one of those shows, you go into the corner and tell them how awesome they're doing. That's my personal ask as the owner of the Guinea Geek Network is please tell those shows how much you like them. It's important that that feedback goes to the different creators so that they can know that someone appreciates their product. They're doing it out of the fun of podcasting. So please do tell them how much you enjoy it, especially if you listen to all things good and nerdy and you like the controller wars discussion, make sure you let them know that they need to argue over controllers more on all things good and nerdy. Definitely email them. It's chris at gunnageek.com. Make sure that they know that controller war should always happen. That was the dumbest argument (laughs) ever. (laughs) Ever. I lied. And that's saying a lot considering that show. (laughs) I know. But there you go. That is going to take us to the end of the show. So for episode number 264 of the officialgunnageek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, yep, SP confirmed it. He's not here because aliens actually exist. And I'm saying, hey, give the new She-Ra on Netflix a chance. I'm Chris Farrell saying... Venom looks like hot garbage, and I hope they make SP watch it. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.